Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 6.30 chair. And the Golden Knights funnel it back through center. Nugent Hopkins back through McDavid. He'll gain the line. Backdoor feed. Reshot score. Top right corner and an absolute beauty from Ty Ratty. The snipe from Ty Ratty turns out to be the game winner tonight. The Edmonton Oilers with a third period rally to edge the Vegas Golden Knights 4-3. Connor McDavid with three assists. He's up to 106 points on the season. He will win the Art Ross Trophy. Ty Ratty continues to produce two points for him. Mariah Nugent Hopkins back in the lineup after missing a couple of games with a groin injury. He scored the first goal of the game back in the first period, his 23rd of the season. And the Oilers get it done late, killing a penalty. They were shorthanded for the final minute 48 of the game on a bit of a weird play where the Oilers thought they had the insurance goal and instead Vegas went on the power play. But the Oilers do win it 4-3. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 9.52. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights are some people's pick to win the Stanley Cup, quite frankly. I don't know if they're the favourite, but they're going to be dangerous going into the playoffs. But the Oilers able to beat them three out of four times this season, twice coming back from a deficit after two periods. How'd they do it tonight, Rob? Well, they did it tonight uh, on the fact that there's no give up for for the Oilers tonight. Uh, they pressed the issue. They they didn't get frustrated, and, and they easily could have because there was a number of golden scoring opportunities that they didn't put in the net. Uh, there was one where uh, Leon Drysaddle on a, a nice setup by Pugliarvi. Somehow Subban makes the save, and you saw Drysaddle. He wanted to break his stick on the ice, and he put it up in the air. But the play was still going, turned around, he almost got another scoring chance. Uh, but the frustration didn't consume them like we've seen before. When the Oilers have bad things happen to them, it consumes them, and eventually uh, they self-implode. But not tonight. They continued to push forward. And, and the biggest reason they won this hockey game tonight was the play of Connor McDavid. You know, he had three points. Uh, he created numerous scoring chances other than those three. Uh, he was... You know, the best player on the ice again tonight. And when you have the best player on the ice, your team normally ends up with more goals than the other. All right. We know we're going to get asked about this. So Chris Russell cut in from the point, tucked the backhand under Malcolm Subban with a minute 48 left. Crowd's going crazy. I'm writing down the scoring summary. Then all of a sudden I hear booing. And I look up and the ref's on the big screen and he's calling a tripping penalty. I had no idea what the call was. They showed the replay. Yessi Pugliarvi was called for tripping. I saw about three different angles of the replay. It didn't look to me like Pulley touched. I think it was James Neal that went down. 
it looked like, if anything, Neal might have tripped over his own guy who was engaged with Pugliarvi. Okay, uh, we've done this enough, Rob, to know that the questions were going to get asked. That cannot be video reviewed. Cannot be challenged by the Oilers. Cannot be overturned by the NHL Command Center. And no, the ref is not going to do an interview after the game. And no, we're not going to find out if or in what manner he gets talked to by uh, by the league by the league office. Okay, does that anticipate? The it, it does. And I mean, at the end of the day, the ref made a mistake. And I, I, I understand what he was looking at the the player. I, I I didn't know it was Neil, but if it was Neil and he fell down, his man was the guy that scored. He was chasing Russell to the net. Russell had a step on him, but if Neil wasn't, or if Neil didn't fall down, he would have at least had a chance to, to make a play on on Russell. The referee saw him go down and assumed that he was tripped. Now I watched the same replays, and the jumbotron here is pretty big. And, and I watch, and we have TVs in our booths here too, and I watch them as well. I, I didn't see Pugliarvi touch him. I, I didn't. I th- and actually, I don't even know if his own player touched him. I think he might have just toe-picked okay. and where he just fell on his own. Uh, and the, the, the way that that is such a, a, a harsh call for the Oilers is there was a goal that was scored on. It wasn't like he just called a phantom penalty. It had to take a goal off of the board. Uh, yeah, the, every, time, every once in a while, a, a, a mistake is made by a referee, uh, some nights more than others. Uh, and tonight, that was a mistake that was much more obvious. And fortunately for the Oilers, not uh, it, it didn't cost them in the end in the win-loss column. The Oilers survived it, and I got to admit, when Vegas made it 4-3, just about well less than a minute and a half after Raddy made it 4-2, I'm starting to think, oh, is this going to be another two-goal lead that goes away? And then when they got the late power play, but the Oilers penalty kill able to survive it again. We I got to give credit to Strom and Kara. They wrote for the first part of that penalty kill, worked hard just inside their own blue line to force a couple plays and get a couple of pucks out. And the, I mentioned this on the faceoff show, Rob. Worth mentioning it again since the Oilers penalty kill goes two for two, including a clutch one right at the end of the game. Best penalty kill in the NHL in the last 26 games. That since they that since they had that debacle against the Florida Panthers. Uh, just under 90%. That's over 26 games. Mm-hmm, that's so they were able to get... And they, they, we haven't said this a lot, so we better say it. They won the special teams battle. They got a power play goal, didn't allow one against. Well, yeah, I mean, the penalty killing, first of all, especially at, at the end of the game, it, it's a six-on-four, incredibly aggressive. Uh, normally, when you see a six-on-four, you're in a very tight box, and you're trying to block everything. And the team just starts teeing off. I watched the Washington Capitals have one time. I mean, they're just all over them. But in this game, they were aggressive. And they forced plays up at the blue line. And when you force plays, sometimes the players make uh, passes they shouldn't or force passes. And the puck bounces and you continue to force. And they didn't give Vegas as many opportunities as Vegas needed, obviously, at the end. As for the power play, (laughs) the goal, the power play goal they had was coming off a terrible power play. Yeah. Because it was they gave up a breakaway and a three on one on their power play. Well, and then Vegas hit the post hey, about eight seconds before Camilleri so scored. So it was not a good power play. There was a good result. Because even on the, the, the power play goal they scored, uh, Dry Settle, they had a two on one or a three one actually after the post was hit by Vegas. That puck doesn't get across. And Vegas has control of the puck, and the Vegas player uh, double clutched it. 
and Connor po- pushed, poked it out in front of the nets. But it, it was a power play goal, but it was not a good power play for the Edmonton Oilers there. The Oilers figured it out tonight. Three goals in the third to beat the Golden Knights 4-3. McDavid, three assists, 106 points, leads Kucherov by eight for the Art Ross. So he's going to win that unless Kucherov does something he historic. He has a Sam Gagne over night. The, uh, over the final weekend of the season. The Vegas Golden Knights, when leading after two periods, are now 31-3-2. Two of the five games they didn't win when leading after two, oddly enough, against the Edmonton Oilers. We'll get post-game reaction from both dressing rooms right away. You can also reach us, 780-496-0063. First call of the night will go to Marco. Marco, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Um, just, one, just wondering how you guys thought Keegan Lowe played tonight. And then, second of all, I'm just wondering what you think we're going to do with our first-round pick. Uh, next season in the draft? Um, I thought Keegan Lowe was fine. Uh, he looked comfortable out there. Um, and for a first-round pick, I think it all depends where the pick is. Yeah, we don't know where it's going to be yet. We're not totally sure where the Oilers are going to finish, uh, Marco. I mean, they'll likely have around a 5% chance in the draft lottery. So if they move up to the top three, they, they definitely aren't trading it. If they are picking... Seven, eight, nine—that could make things well. Would make things a lot more interesting. It, it could be in play. It could be in play, but then it, it depends what they're going to get back for it too. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, but, but yeah, absolutely. I, but it, it completely depends on where that pick is before they start deciding what they're going to do with it. Yeah, and I thought Keegan Lowe. I mean, clearly, I, I thought Rob. I, I saw the work ethic. He didn't quit. He, nope. he tried to be physical. He made a couple nice clears of pucks mm-hmm. in, in the crease. So. Uh, I mean, the obviously the expectations for a player playing his third NHL game, but much like we've talked about Ethan Bear, you're not going to, in, in, in where the games aren't overly meaningful in the standings, you're maybe not going to be as picky as you would normally, but, but I do think you saw, you saw the work ethic and the tenacity. Well, he was better defensively than he was, than Ethan Bear was tonight. Ethan sure. struggled tonight, and, and you could see that there's more experience in Keegan's game than there is in Ethan especially in in the defensive zone. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, Keegan, a lot of pressure coming in, playing in a in, in an arena in a, in a city where his father had had so much success. And he came in, and I thought he quitted himself quite well. The Oilers' current draft lottery odds, by the way, would be 6.5% because they are the seventh worst team in the NHL. They could potentially pass... Chicago and the Rangers, depending what happens over the weekend. Now, could they actually finish ahead of the Islanders? Uh, yeah, they could potentially move up three spots in the standings, depending on what other teams do. So they'll have... So here's the thing. They could jump into the top three, and then depending on where they finish right now, we can tell you they could be picked between anywhere between 7th and 13th, because they could be bumped down by other teams. So the... the a lot of uncertainty with the pick right now, even though even though the season's almost over, and then that's why the part of the reason they changed the lottery odds is so there's a little more a uh, little more variation, and uh, more teams get selected. They draw three teams now. Oilers win four three over the Golden Knights tonight. The goal scorers Raddy, Benning, Camilleri, and Nugent Hopkins. Not in that order. I don't know why I said Raddy first. It was Nugent Hopkins, Benning, Camilleri, and Raddy. And what a shot by Raddy. You know, earlier tonight we watched Phil Kessel score an overtime goal for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we were oohing and on over it. About Raddy, another. That was a, and, and what I liked about that is he took his time 
and he got Subban to lose his angle because he, he was patient. Because he, he took himself to a different angle. Subban lost his place in the net. And there's a, uh, just a wonderful shot. Uh, Ready again, has, has played very well down the stretch, playing with Connor McDavid. And to me, and I, I don't have any money to throw out to anybody, but to me, he's earned money in a new contract here with the Edmonton Oilers. All right, Oilers take it 4-3. We'll get more phone calls in a couple of minutes. Let's go down to the Oilers' room for GCL Diesel. For genuine diesel parts at great prices, visit GCL on the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. Here's Connor McDavid. I know that, you know, you're first and foremost a team guy, but that, I mean, I think it just leaves you know, like eight points ahead. I mean, what do you, you must feel some satisfaction. Oh, you know what, uh, it's not over till it's over. Um, you know, obviously, those guys are, are great players. Um, you know, but uh, there's still some guys with some games left, and you know we'll uh, we'll see. I mean, that, that call at the end obviously had you guys pretty miffed. Maybe just talk about that moment, the frustration mm-hmm. you felt, and then leaning on your penalty kill to, to, to yeah. save it. Um, you know what? Obviously, not uh, looking back, not the not the right call ultimately, but uh, you, know, you can see it. You see, you know, during the lifetime like it's 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 hard to make that call right uh, there's a lot of sticks there um you, know, you, tr- you prefer not to guess on those type of situations but you know the refs already saw and, and you can't blame him for that uh he's got to make the call and, um yeah it's good um you know, obviously to come back from behind is always nice you know benny with a huge goal great play um you know, it's nice to come back, uh, especially on a team like that where you know they're so good and, and uh, to win the season series 3-1. I mean, we can we can you know a little feather in our cap for that, but uh, you know, ultimately it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's fun. Why is it working so well with Ty on your wing? Yeah, you know he works hard. Um, you know, nice to have Nuge back as well. He was uh, he was great tonight. Um, you know, I think the three of us just just kind of blend well together. Um, you know, they they maybe uh, make up for. Oh, uh, the defensive side, and, and uh, you know, they both can play offensively, so um, it's, uh, it's definitely fun. Yeah, um, you know, we have we have nights where, where we're really good, and, and we have nights where we're really bad. Um, you know, it's definitely something that we got to figure out. Um, you know, we've beat some good teams, and, and we've lost to some teams that uh, that ultimately we should not have lost to. So, um, you know, so we, can, we can take the, the three wins against Vegas and, and feel good about that. But other than that, uh, it's, uh, it's not been great. that's Connor. Brendan Ulrich working in the Oilers dressing room tonight. McDavid with three assists, 106 on the year, looking to win the Art Ross for the second year in a row. The final at Rogers Place, Edmonton Oilers four, Vegas Golden Knights three. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Too bad that Russell goal didn't count. As a result, we are denied the Japanese village goal light. Well, one more try on Saturday. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, you can go to the Oilers page on 630ched.com, print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. Well, it'll be interesting on, on Saturday whether they get to the five goals or not because I'm watching the Canucks play right now against Arizona. They're down 3-2 and absolutely dominating Arizona. Uh, the Sedins in their last home game of their storied careers. 
uh, they did what they always do. One of them scored, and the other one set them up. <laughs> and it's the, every time they step on the ice for a, for it's their shift, they get a standing ovation. So the entire third period has been standing ovation. So I'm looking forward to to Saturday night and seeing the Sedins play their last game. Absolutely. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We'll bring Wayne onto the show. Hi, Wayne. Go ahead. Hello there. How are you guys going tonight? Good. Right on. Pretty good game, eh? It was an entertaining game. More uh, better than the last three or four the Oilers have played, for sure. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Listen, I don't want to rain in any celebration. A win is a win is a win. Vegas is good, but still. As for us, our roster, I don't really think it's quite as weak as others do. We got three top six forwards and three top four defenders. Do you guys think that we are really that close? Do we just need one top six forward and one top four defender like to really just kind of solidify our core to make us more of a stronger team? Well, it would, it would make us stronger, obviously, if you get one more top six and one more top four. Um, I think the, or- the Oilers got a good core. Uh, the the problem the Oilers are going to have trying to find another top six forward and, and top four defenseman is how do you get them? How do you acquire them? Because for the Oilers to get that, they're probably going to have to give up something that of that nature, and they're not deep enough to do that. So uh, I think that the Oilers aren't as bad as they were this year. And I think that, you know, I mean, Peter Shirelli's got his work cut out for him this summer to to improve this team because the other teams in the league are improving. I'm, I'm what Arizona, who had a horrific start to the season, has been excellent the second half of the season. I don't think they're a playoff team yet, but they're pushing and they're young. Uh, Vegas, another team that's no one expected them to be a playoff caliber hockey club this soon, and they are, and that doesn't even include the Chicago Blackhawks who next year you would think will be better, the Dallas Stars next year that will be better. So the Oilers cannot uh, just hope that the players that didn't produce most of this year get better next year. They're going to have to go out and find some things and find some cures to, to the things that have ailed them this year. So I think, the as, as Reed and I have talked about many times, it is good that the Oilers are winning now. It's good that the Oilers are playing well in some of these games. But again, these games are completely different than the games at the beginning of the season when there was stress involved. Yep. There's no stress in the games right now for the Edmonton Oilers because they know what their outcome is, and that's one more game left. Yeah, I, I think that I mean the Oilers need some more finish up front, obviously, and, and a lot of teams are going to look for that. I yep. mean, that's that's the... I mean, even teams that are in the playoffs are thinking, mm-hmm. well, we could use more secondary scoring. That's that's an age-old adage in the NHL, although for the Oilers it's going to appear a little more crucial, I think. Raddy's interesting, and I'm not suggesting he's gifted the first-line spot, no. but it's nice to have a player like that in the organization if he's kept for next season. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Maybe he's someone the Oilers can retain. That's a nice guy to have in your organization. I mean, and he, he was leading Bakersfield in scoring, and he was a high-scoring junior. It's not out of no, uh, no out of nowhere that he can think offensively and finish the odd play. Rob mentioned what a nice shot he made earlier tonight. The the, the question marks, the, there are certainly additions. They're, like most teams, they're going to have to make from outside the organization, trades, free agents, to augment the roster. The question marks as well, in my mind, are... What are going to be the internal additions? And to me, there's four players primarily that you look at and say, can they bounce back? Clefbaum, Sekera, Lucic, and Talbot. Now, Talbot's 
coming into date, he was 9-18 since... I, I kind of yeah. use that really bad game as Florida as the dividing point. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have a final third of the season that's basically who he's been throughout his yes. career. So he's he's showing that. Lucic, who knows, Clefbaum and Sekra. I think it mostly comes down to health. I, I know we've taken a few calls that... I mean, there was one guy a couple games ago that wanted to get rid of Sekra. I'm not... I don't, I don't think he's at that point in his career where he's never going to go, but that that could be four vital players that it, it could almost be like adding really good players if they get back to previous form. Well, yeah. I mean, the Sekra was, uh, for a majority of last year, the Oilers' best defenseman. Clefbaum was uh, the Oilers' best offensive defenseman. Lucic, they brought him in here to be a 25-goal scorer and, and intimidate both physically uh, and, and offensively. And, and Talbot was all-world last year. And those are four huge pieces that the Oilers had for the majority of the season not near where they were at last year's pace. So you're not going to win in the National Hockey League without good goaltending. You just won't. Yep. And, I mean, look at the Chicago Blackhawks, the talent they've had. Crawford goes down with an injury, and then they're searching for goaltending. They're on the outside looking in. They're right around the same as the Edmonton Oilers points-wise. So you need good goaltending. I have to believe, just through the track record of Cam Talbot, that he will bounce back and be the goalie that he was last year. Uh, Sekra, uh, health for him, uh, if he comes back healthy, I, I know that when you get older and you're injured, it's, it's hard to get back to where you were beforehand. He, I, I don't know if he's going to be as dominant, but I do believe when he comes in, he has a full summer of training, he has a full training camp, and now he's starting the season at the same page as everyone else, he will be better. Clefbaum, is, when he's healthy, I, don't, I think maybe Clefbaum was maybe a little better than he really is last year, but he's certainly better than he was this year, and I think he'll bounce back. Milan Lucci is going to be an interesting one yep. because uh, this game is fast now. It's incredibly fast. I'm wa- I, watching Phoenix play against Vancouver right now. The speed of all these young players coming out of college, college call-ups at the end of the year, just dominating the game uh, because they have speed. Milan Lucic, is, and he's talked about it, he's going to try and improve his speed in the summer. He's going to try and uh, tone down a bit. Uh, is, it, is it possible? I mean, I don't know. I, I hope so. I, I don't know if he'll be the player that... He wants to be where he's a 25-35 goal scorer here playing on the top line, but he's got to be productive, and he's got to be a player that you can count on, not just offensively, but defensively. And I think that's the biggest thing this year I've seen with Milan. It's it's the plays in his own zone, off the boards, where it's turned over blind passes. He's got to lose that in his game, and he can be effective. Big hockey players can still be effective. Oh, yeah, it's not, I, I was talking about that on my show the other night. I mean, it's it's not you either pick size or speed and that's all you have on your team i mean the reason lucic has been a good player and was coveted when it was a free agent was because he was a big man who could also finish around the net yes. or as we've seen sometimes even score from medium range you know and and look the oilers added speed in pontus aberg well pontus aberg was a healthy scratch tonight i don't think we're going to get any calls saying you needed pontus aberg in the lineup because when he gets the puck the play often dies on his stick well there there's a reason that the national predators well, right, but that's, got rid of him but yeah. yes yeah so uh, they, they need Milan Lucic to be a better hockey player than he was this year. I think Milan Lucic will admit this has been an af- absolutely hor- horrific, horrifying, probably not horrific, but horrifying season for him. And when he woke up September 15th, first day of training camp or whatever it was, I don't think he ever could have imagined that the season was going to turn out the way it is. But at $6 million a year 
for five more years with a no-trade clause or no-movement clause. Milan Lucic is here, and the Oilers need him to be more like Milan last year and less like Milan this year. The Oilers do figure it out tonight. 4-3 win over the Golden Knights. Turned into a pretty good game. Three assists for McDavid. More phone calls in a minute. The guy who you got to think is going to win Coach of the Year, despite Jack Michaels' vote. Gerard <laughs> Gallant from the Golden Knights. His comments for BDO, first call, debt solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, license insolvency trustees. Uh, nobody got hurt. We played okay. You know, it was, it was an up-and-down game. Uh, I guess a, sort of a meaning, meaningless game. But, again, I thought it was a pretty good hockey game overall. And, uh, you know, we competed and battled hard. And uh, hopefully get ready for the next one and then uh, get ready for the big thing at uh, next week. What did you see from White Cloud tonight? He was good. I'm happy he played. He played quite a bit of minutes out there and moved the puck good and skated good. So good for him. His first game, I thought he played real well. And Peary also took advantage again of his opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he scored another nice goal, and he just missed there with the time when out of the game. He had a great chance also. So he played another good game and good solid, and that's good to see. Turk the decision to play Subban, what went into it? To play Subban. No, I don't know, but what ultimately led to the decision that you scared? Uh, uh, Carp, you know, we're, guys, are, we're making sure Fleury's ready to play when when it's uh, ready to go, and he's our number one guy, so it's just giving him another extra maintenance day and a day off. Were you pleased with what he did again tonight? Yeah, he was solid and he competed and battled hard, made some good saves, and, you know, so, yeah, overall it was good. How about your second period? You know, it looked like you got a little more jump mm-hmm. and uh, played yeah. a little better as a team. You know what, we, uh, and, and like I said, we clinched our division a little while ago and first in the Pacific and, and the whole thing, so sometimes it's hard to get up, and I thought for the most part our guys done a great job. The last game in Vancouver, they played three real solid periods and played a good game, and tonight, you know, we weren't as sharp tonight, but still, they came out there, they skated hard and worked hard, and, uh, you know, and, and Edmonton played a good solid hockey game too, so overall we lost the game, but I, like I like the way the guys competed. Coaches are always talking about process. What are the things that you you like that you're seeing in your team? Well, again, tonight we weren't great in the D zone, but uh, again, I'm, I was expecting some of that because we've played really good hockey lately. We, uh, we had a great game against St. Louis a week ago. We had a great game against San Jose when we clinched our division, and uh, then we went to Vancouver and played really good. So eight of the last nine periods was really good, and tonight wasn't as good. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't brutal, but it wasn't as good. And you know, when when you're coming down, you get ready for your playoffs. Mentally, it's tough for your players. But uh, overall, I was proud of them the way they competed tonight. That is Gerard Gallant, head coach for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now 51-23-7 on the season. The Oilers win this one 4-3. Booster Juice will make a $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 every time the Oilers score. So the total for the season now up to $5,750. Rob, you were saying... You were interested in some Gerard said there. Oh yeah, the very first comment out of his mouth, and they, they asked, "What you? How'd you think of the game?" Well, nobody got hurt, and and then he mentioned a little later on, it was a it was a nothing game or a meaningless game for both teams, and it's true. And I know that Jack and Bob talked about it during the telecast, where they they said that it's a tough game for the Oilers because they got nothing to play for. And Jack made the point, well, is it not tougher for Vegas? Yeah. Because they, they have nothing to play for, yet they want to stay healthy because they have something to play for a week from now. So it's one of those games where you, you want to play hard, you want to work hard, you want to do the right things because you're going into the playoffs if you're Vegas, but you don't want to take a puck off the foot and break your foot and all of a sudden you get to miss out on that first night in when the playoffs begin in Vegas so it, it was a tough game 
for both teams that way. But I thought it was a very entertaining team, or entertaining game for both teams tonight. I thought it was a fun game to watch with, I mean, glorious scoring chances yeah, go back and forth. Both ways. And usually in games that are meaningless, there's going to be a lot of offensive chances because the desperation in the defensive zone, which Jar Gallant talked about, isn't quite there. 4-3, the Oilers win it tonight. Shots were 33-33. Cam Talbot, 30 saves. He's the third star. Ty Ratty, a goal and an assist. Second star, McDavid, three assists. First star, our fourth our fourth star of the game is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Well, I'm just going to complete the, the trilogy whole line? with the line and, and give it to Nugent Hopkins, but you can pick somebody no, else. I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. I don't want to call you out on air, so yeah, we'll go. <laughs> We'll go with Nugent Hopkins. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Alex standing by. Alex, thank you hey for guys, calling. How you doing? Good. Um, obviously, very happy about the effort put into tonight compared to the Minnesota game. Um, it seems like I commented on the Wild game that Edmonton had been outscored fifteen to three ever since McDavid made it three nothing versus Columbus, or um, assisted on the goal. Tonight, I can't watch the game, so I can't afford sunrise, but I listened to the games on Shed. From what I heard, it seemed like McDavid was energized when Nugent Hopkins returned. Do you guys would think that's accurate, considering what's happened in the two games or three games he hasn't been compared to the game he was in tonight? Well, um, I don't know. I think that he's also enjoyed when Drysaddle's been on his line as well. I think... Uh, Nugent Hopkins was probably energized being back in the lineup and whenever you have sometimes coaches put players on certain lines just to energize that line to get that one of the players on the line going so uh, I think McDavid there's very seldom a night where you think you know what that was an off night for Connor his bar is quite high but he he normally jumps over that bar very quickly Uh, that line though was very very good tonight created a number of scoring chances Uh, I know that Connor had three points easily could have had five or six and that's not just being lucky I mean there was three more how about that wrist oh. shot you fired oh wide late in the game? How hard was that? Like Jeez. we're we are eight stories above the ice, and like you could feel boom, like it, it was a bomb. And when he does that, when he goes and shoots that, the goalie has no chance. If he hits it, it's in. The goalie can't move to make a save on that one. It's either he hits his spot or he doesn't. That one he just missed, and I think he sent a message to some of the goalies around the National Hockey League. Hey, you know what? I got a pretty good shot. I guess when you're going that fast, when you're at Mach 1 and you fire the puck, the velocity just makes it that much harder. I never I never had to worry about that when I played. My my slowness of ability to skate <laughs> slowed my shots, and that's why I don't shoot very hard. It's because I was a bad skater. The shots in the third period in Vancouver are 14 nothing for the Canucks. Yeah, I'm, it's unbelievable how well they're playing right it's now. It's a 3-3 tie. They were down 3-1. 5-0-8 left as we look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard. Final home game for the Sedins. The Kings lead the Wild 4-2 after 2. Also after 40, Sharks up one nothing on the Avalanche. The Islanders knocked off the Rangers 2-1. Flyers over the Hurricanes 4-3. Penguins in overtime 5-4 against the Blue Jackets. Kessel with a beauty overtime winner for that one. The Blue Jackets do clinch a playoff spot with the point. Jets beat the Flames 2-1. Panthers over the Bruins 3-2. Canadians knock off the Red Wings 4-3. And the Predators clinch the President's Trophy. Oh, good for them. So they go from 4-3 win over the Capitals. So they go from being the lowest-seeded team in last year's playoffs to being the number one seed in this year's playoffs. They're a pretty good hockey club. Here's a question for you, Reed, about you going through the scores. Right now, Colorado mm-hmm. is losing 1-0 to San Jose. If they lose tonight, 
St. Louis plays tomorrow in Chicago, then Saturday in Colorado. It comes down to the game Saturday in Colorado. If you're St. Louis, do you sit out some of your players and rest them? Do you send them on to Chicago so they get a good night, or so on to Colorado so they get a good night's sleep? Well, that's an interesting question. Because if Colorado loses tonight, I mean, it comes down whoever wins the game on Saturday night goes to the playoffs. So would you want all your best players playing back-to-back, risk of getting tired, risk of getting injured, or do you start sitting some of your players out, sending them to Colorado a day early, and say, you know what, you get rested in Colorado because that's the game that matters. I would think, let me just look at the uh, wild card standings here. I would think you would still want to try to win that game, though, because a point or two... So you get two points, but if Colorado beats you, you're done. Yeah, I don't know what all the tiebreakers would be, though. Because if you were, if you went in a point ahead and then lost in overtime and they got two and you got one... That, right, well, so I guess you'd have to have that yeah, decided. I'd, but if it, if it falls in Colorado's favor, I mean, a little extra rest because they're playing back-to-back because they're going to have to go to Chicago to Colorado to play their last two games. It's unbelievable that St. Louis is still uh, con- controlling their own fate with the, the trades and the injuries that they've got. They, they were left for dead, yet they've put on a great little spurt here down the stretch to allow themselves where if they win Saturday night in Colorado, they're going to the playoffs. All right, 780-496-0063. We'll bring Brian onto the show. Hey, Brian, thanks for calling. Hey, guys, good show. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, Ty Raddy, what are, the, what are the chances of him being here next year? I think they're, I'll put it this way, sorry to cut you off. No worries. I think the chances of him being in the Oilers organization are very good. Him being an Oiler on day one or on that line for day one, I think there's a lot of wait and see what happens over the summer there. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I mean, obviously, being an unrestricted free agent, he can go anywhere. But as a, when you're a player, you look what's the best fit for you. And the Oilers gave him an opportunity here. They, they, they allowed him to play. He's had some success. Um, the, the one thing, if, if I'm the agent of Ty Raddy, I, I whisper in his ear, nobody else was able to play with Connor all season long, and you played well, so <laughs> let's sign an Edmonton. So I, I agree. I agree with Reed. Reed. I believe, I think, and I would, I would bring Ty Raddy back into the organization and let him earn uh, whatever ice time that he gets, whether it's here or down in the minors. Um. Another question for you guys: uh, Our our number one draft pick, whether that's that six, seven, eight, or nine, or whatever, uh, are we going to trade it? I think, I think if it's outside of the top five, possible, and then I then the odds go up probably if it's outside of the top eight. I think if they're I think if they're in the lottery and it's yeah I think if they win one of the lottery spots and if they're in the and they're in the top three I think they draft I don't think they trade it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so so the, uh, the 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 trade that theoretically if they made a trade it has to be a player that you could plug in and play. I would I would assume. I I would think so. I, I mean if it's a player that's to be. You add it to your roster later, a guy that has, whether it's a junior player guy in the minors, well, then why not just draft the draft yeah. pick? And exactly. then you get your choice, and, and you can groom him the way you want. So, yeah, I believe every, everything more or less is in play. Uh, but if they are going to trade that draft pick, it's got to be a player that can step into their lineup and contribute right now. All right, Brian, we're going to finish the play. We want to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. One-night stays or long-term parking. Find your perfect match from 550 a day at jetsetparking.com with promo code CHED.
Now it's White Cloud. NHL debut against Leon Drysaddle. Edmonton's second leading scorer. Rister on net. A save on Keegan Lowe. Point blank range. Lowe had kind of... Keegan Lowe going down low for an offensive opportunity in the second period. Brian, Keegan Lowe was drafted 73rd overall in 2011 by what NHL team? Was it the Carolina Hurricanes or the New York Rangers? Uh, hurricane. Absolutely, buddy. Stay on the line so Kellen can take down your information. You win, finish the play. Third NHL game tonight for Keegan Lowe, 25 years of age. Just turned 25 last week, actually, on March 29th. Played two games with the Hurricanes late in the 14-15 season. Made a splash by fighting Vinny LeCavier not once, but twice. Oilers win 4-3 over the Vegas Golden Knights. We got Silas up next on the phone lines. You'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan and from Keegan Lowe as well. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Theodore will hit the line. High slot. Dish off to Peary. Cross ice. Miller fires. Save Talbot. Rebound. Lunging stop made by Talbot. Peary centers. That was deflected. High slot. Late save by Cam Talbot while the Oilers were killing a penalty in the dying seconds. And Talbot comes through with 30 stops overall. Oilers beat Vegas 4-3. The save of the game for Arcan Trailer and RV Center, Alberta's favorite RV dealership, now carrying motorhomes. Vancouver and Arizona now in overtime. A minute in, the Sedins got the first shift together. Couldn't score, so on they go. Uh, tons of pressure by the Canucks in the third period. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks a lot for tuning in. Looks like the Canucks are going to get an overtime power play, four on three. And guess who's so going to be think, out there for that? I think they know who's going out. What, I, seriously, if they score or get points on the overtime winner in their last ever game, it's like fate. Fate said, all right, let's let the Sedins leave on a good note. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Silas standing by. Hi, Silas. Hi. I'm Silas. I'm 10, and I just came back from the game. Did you have a good time tonight? Yeah. Who's your favorite player? Uh... Adam Larson. Oh, yeah, he's been huh? playing well the last few weeks for sure. What's on your mind, buddy? Uh, I just have two things to say. One, I feel like Panthers are going to get the next playoff spot oh. out from Philadelphia. Oh, cool! Wow, good for you. That'd be a huge comeback if they do that. And if they do, if they do, our next time we do the show, we will mention on air that you were the one that called it. <laughs> And then also, Zach Cassian may have a great beard, but why is he still on our team? He was terrible tonight. Well, Cassian's not having a great season overall. He does have a very does have a pretty good beard. He does have a good beard. It's going it's going well. I mean, Cassian's still signed for a couple of years after this one, so. Uh, you know, they, they showed faith in him after the year he had last year and I guess part of the, the year before when he joined the Oilers. Well, he's another player, and we talked about it at the beginning. And, and You named the four major players that were, you know, within the organization that need to rebound. Well, there's another player that's within the organization that they have signed that they need him to rebound as well. Uh, last year, the Oilers' fourth line was very good, and it, it made a difference each and every night. Uh, this year, the Oilers have really struggled with a fourth line. So they need a Cassian playing as he did last year. 
uh, more or less like how he did in the playoffs where he was a, a physical force. If they get that back, then they can have a very good fourth line. Cassian has not had a strong year, and I'm sure that uh, he's as disappointed as the way the season has gone as a number of other Oilers have been. Well, and if you look at the penalty kill, which has been good lately. A lot of times last year and a lot of times earlier in this season, Latestu and Cassian were the first two penalty killers out. If they were fresh, Latestu's been traded and Strom and Kara have become often the first two guys that, that go out if they're fresh. So, yeah, I mean, Cassian's going to have to try to rebound and find a little bit more energy for sure. Oilers do win tonight 4-3 over the Vegas Golden Knights. Oilers head coach Todd McClellan for GCL Diesel. For genuine diesel parts at great prices, visit GCL on the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. Todd, can you maybe just take us through that last couple of minutes where the, the goal gets called back? Obviously, you guys weren't happy with the call, and then a subsequent penalty kill and, and saves by camp. I think you summarized it. I need you to talk about it, though. Okay. Um, you know, we're, we're in the zone, and they, they draw the penalty, um, which, based on my expression, obviously, I didn't agree with it. Uh, goals disallowed. We go on the penalty kill, and... Um, Kill does a pretty good job, but we need that one big save, and Talb's made it with three or four seconds left, so good for him. Michael Camilleri, not just Yeah, he's uh, since he's been back from his injury, he's been uh, a pretty productive player. In fact, he's been for for most of the time that he's been here. Um, you know, his games. The only time it's really dipped is in in a fatigue type situation, and that doesn't happen often. He's very fit and very smart player. So. Uh, you know, tonight he came through with a, a key goal. He's had many of those chances. They just haven't gone in as much for him as they have in the past. But uh, I'm happy for him. He put himself in a good spot in the power play and found the hole in the net that uh, some others couldn't. But he's, he told me that now that he's not playing as many minutes as he was accustomed to earlier in his career, he actually feels more involved in the game when he plays center. I know it's only been a short few games at center, but what have you seen maybe the difference in him? Uh, he was a center up until the NHL, he told me. Yeah, we... Uh, it's his mind and his ability to make tight, uh, crafty passes. And uh, when he's in the middle, he has those those opportunities to run quick give and goes. Um, and uh, you know, his release is something that he's always been able to use. So uh, I found that when he's in the middle, he's getting it from both sides, and he can, uh, you know, he can shoot the puck a little bit. Uh, he had a tremendous chance the other night in Calgary. Uh, Smith made a good save. Um, so he's been creating more for himself and for his line mates through the middle than he did earlier. So it's it's nice to have him there. Connor, I've, I've kind of lost a little bit of track tonight, but he's up by eight or nine points right now. And, uh, I mean, do you think that in this season, you know, as well as he's played, it's been lost on people? And then overall, when you're watching him at this point, what do you think? Well, I don't think it's been lost on... Uh, you know, anybody that I talk to, I don't, people take notice and they, uh, you know, especially from Christmas on when he's really been 100% healthy, um, uh, I don't think anybody is missing the fact that he's been a, a dominant player night in and night out. Um, you know, the odd tough game where you've really got to fight through those that checking line or checking pair. Uh, but, man, he's been uh, a tremendous offensive spark plug for our team. Most of our offense runs through him. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, it's not lost on anybody. You'd have, I think you'd have to dig deep to find somebody that's not recognizing it. With Todd Ravion, with David's right wing, uh, is he showing you enough 
boys fit there well so far and uh, you know the unfortunate thing is we're playing at, at a time where games aren't uh, uh, as meaningful for us and, and we can gamble a little bit um, I think his defensive game has got better and more reliable since he's been here um, he obviously has tremendous hockey sense and a, and a real good release and that works well for Connor and Nuge when he's there and um, uh, you know so he's he's opening eyes and I think he's proving to us and to himself that he can do it I know his teammates like playing with him so it's uh, everything so far has been pretty positive I was happy that Keegan got the opportunity. He's, a, as I said this morning, he's a competitor. And uh, he, he threw everything he had into that game, um, physically blocking shots, uh, making plays, trying to kill the play. Uh, even had a couple offensive chances, which he's not as well known for. But uh, it, was, uh, it was a good night for him, and it's, I'm glad we got the win in his first game as an Oiler. All right, that's head coach Todd McClellan. Oilers beat Vegas 4-3 on the Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard. Daniel Sedin in overtime from Henrik Sedin and Edler Canucks win it 4-3 over the Arizona Coyotes and the Sedin Twins have just completed a handshake line with Arizona and a couple of laps around the ice at Rogers Arena. Uh, unbelievable. He knew it was coming. They got the power play just a matter of time and an absolute bomb from Daniel Sedin assisted by his brother. Uh, you could not write a better story. And then I said to you, as soon as that happened, I sure hope they come to Edmonton still, because that's a pretty cool way to ride off into the sunset. But uh, an incredible night in Vancouver for, for the fans and, and for the Sedins and for the entire organization saying goodbye to uh, two legends. Curtain call. We, we don't have the audio down. I'm guessing that there might just be two stars of the game tonight instead of three. So I don't know if they just came out anyway or if they were announced as no, stars. No, this reminds me of right now is the slap shot when they're wave, they're skating around the ice. <laughs> well, waving. except they're not taking their gear off. <laughs> there was only one guy. Only oh, one true. guy stripped in slap shot. But there is not a single person has left uh, uh, the arena in Vancouver right now. Is They are showing their appreciation to two of the best that have played in the National Hockey League. Oilers win 4-3 over the Golden Knights. 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Chris onto the show. Hello, Chris. Yeah, how are you? Good. Excellent. Hey, uh, I just got, I was at the game tonight, and I just got one comment, and I want your guys' opinion on it. Um, I, I feel like I may have latched onto something on why the Oilers have struggled this year, and I want you guys to, to respond. Um, I look at the three top forwards on the Oilers. We all know who they are. Uh, obviously, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nuge. And I look at that, and all three of them, to me, 90% of the time, appear to be deadpan. And I look at them trading away a guy like Hendricks, who we all know was great in the dressing room, was a spark plug every time he was on the ice, and seemed to love the game. I never ever, well, sorry, I rarely see those three other forwards seem to love the game. And I wonder whether that just has just killed the motivation on the team and whatever. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that being the potential issue with this team this year? Well, if you look at expressions, you ever watch Jonathan Taves play, he plays the exact same way as Connor McDavid. He's got three Stanley Cups and has been the captain of Olympic teams and world championship teams. And uh, I don't think that's an issue. I don't, uh, it, it, no, I don't know if there's anyone in the NHL that loves the game more than Connor McDavid. 
I mean, when it comes to look at what he's done throughout his career, how hard he's worked. Uh, you know, when other kids were going out and playing video games, he's the guy who's out shooting outside in his front lawn to make sure that he became better. So I, I don't see, see the, you don't see the emotion uh, as much as you might see on other players that are a little flashier. I mean, right now I'm watching the, the Sedins in their last game ever. They, they're the same type of players. You didn't see the emotion in their game, yet it's, they, they sure seem to find success as hockey players. Every team needs all uh, different type of players in their dressing room. You need loud guys. You need quiet guys. You need leaders. You need followers. Um, the Oilers have other players with big voices in the dressing room. It doesn't have to be your star players that have the voices. They, some of them, they lead through actions on ice. Uh, Matt Hendricks was a, a very popular player in the dressing room, uh, a popular player wherever he's been. He's just, he's just around, uh, an all-around great guy. Um, I do not believe that the fact that they are less extravagant or less flashy on the ice will dictate how this team goes because uh, they were the three leaders last year and losing Matt Hendricks I don't think ruins a dressing room. But there's other issues that, that that they need to address this year or this summer with the Oilers. I think the I, I think less about the deadpan expressions well, and more about goal scoring wingers, more about yeah. uh, a right-handed defenseman that can play the power play. That's what they need more so than than a Matt Hendricks in their dressing room. Well, we've seen. I mean, we've seen those guys look excited when they've made a big player. They yep. scored. And here's the thing. And, and fair question by Chris. Yep. But I, but I, I I will say this. Uh, three or four years ago, Rob, you and I took numerous phone calls. Well, why does Taylor Hall look so upset when he scores? Or, or, why, or sorry, not when he scores. Why, why does he look so upset when he misses a play? And then, he, and then he's pumping his fist when he scores. So, I mean, if you're losing, everything is going to get criticized. Yeah. So Taylor Hall was too emotional, and now these guys aren't emotional enough. No. And so, I mean, you can't. I mean, it's just when you when you lose, everything's going to get picked well, apart. Just Last year, all the national TV stations, so the Oilers blew that lead in game five. Leon is standing on the bench looking upset at the Anaheim dog pile. Yeah. And Connor walks by him and nudges him and says, let's go. So Connor didn't get mad or show any emotion. He said, okay, it's over. We get, we got to win game six. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to handle well, it and handle them. And how many times have you heard uh, when a team's losing, their coach is too emotional? When a team's losing, their coach is not emotional enough. A- again, when when the team struggles, you look for any reason why the team struggled. I think simply the team was not good enough this year, and that's why they struggled. And the Oilers need to fix some of that this summer. 4-3 win for the Oilers tonight, 780-496-0063. I believe I have... Somebody on the line here whose hockey career I covered in Lloyd Minster. Is this, is this Adam Creasy calling in? The one and only speaking. How are you doing, Adam? <laughs> Pretty good. You read? I'm doing great. It's nice to hear from you. Yeah, you've come a long way. You remember when we did that highlight package on the old CKSA TV, and I was, I was the color guy for that? Yes, I do remember that. You were an outstanding color guy and a pretty good player, I must say. You worked really hard. Yeah, I'm still grinding it out. We actually just came back from beating Hillmon. We or Hillmon was up three games to none on us and uh, uh, for Wainwright. I'm playing for Wainwright, and uh, we actually came back and beat him in seven. So that was a good way to end my senior year this year. Is this what is this Saskalta league or which one are you in? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the Saskalta. Yeah, I still remember, buddy. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, nothing. I, well, I just commenting. You know, you come a long way and a great show. I love you. I listen to it all the time when I'm at work. I'm at work right now. 
Uh, Rob, I find I agree with everything you say. Great analysis. Well, I appreciate and, uh, that because I find that my wife agrees with nothing I say. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got some people that are agreeing, <laughs> and uh, had a lot of points there in the mid '90s. Like, really good hockey player yourself. So, well, thank you very but, much. But uh, yeah, look, they've had a tough year this year. You know, it looked like we were going right back into the tunnel of the decade of darkness there for a while. But for them to come out at the end of the year and have some good things happening like Raddy playing well you know and other guys playing well at this time is is great to end the year and you know it's, it's going to bode well for next year no I agree I, I I don't think that the Oilers are as bad as their record says uh, I, I think that they're they have they're capable of bouncing back I mean you've got something to build around and yeah, absolutely. I, so the fact that they got a Connor McDavid, they got a Nugent Hopkins, they got a Dry Seidel, their back end, uh, when healthy, was very effective last year in Talbot, hopefully can be what he was last year. That's pretty good to build around. So I don't think uh, the doom and gloom is coming back, but they do have to improve in certain areas. They do need certain players to uh, bounce back and be what they were expected to be. They need uh, a Pugliarvi to... Uh, live up to the potential and I know that it's only a couple years into his career but uh, they need production out of the wings and they can't go out and buy it because you can't afford it right now so you need a Pugliarvi you need a Yamamoto hopefully to find a little bit of magic next year at some point and and be a guy that they can count on to produce but I I, I don't think that it is as, as desperate a time in Edmonton as it was for that decade, I think there are still positives on this team in a really, really sad and disappointing season. Absolutely. They, they have some good positives going to next year, and I say they're a playoff team next year for sure. Well, I mean, several teams have shown this year you can you can turn it around. Adam, it's great to hear from you, mate. Can you, uh, can you stay on the line and uh, uh, give, give Kellen your number, and I'll get in touch with you tomorrow? Sure, you bet. Okay, thanks, Adam. Appreciate you calling in. I used to cover that guy. Played in Junior A and Lloyd. Oh, you must be really old. I'm getting old. Yeah. Is this your birthday today, by the way? No, my birthday is on April the 10th. It's right, it's right away. Yeah, it is. It's just yeah. it's a small one, too. Uh, Adam, I remember, worked very hard, uh, checked very hard, and that's how he got his points. Oh, good for him. Yep. The Lloyd Bobcats were not a good team for the majority of my tenure there. Uh, but uh, this kind of follows you around, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you might not want to say that too loud. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, there's a lot of teams in Lloyd I covered. Some were good, some were bad. Uh, way to throw that one in there. Border Kings won two Allen Cups. Well, there you go. Well, I was out there. That was fun. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is our number. Oilers beat the Golden Knights four three. Let's go down to the Golden Knights dressing room. Braden McNabb had a goal tonight. His comments for BDO first call debt solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, license insolvency trustees. Braden, you guys push until really the final buzzer there. What are your takeaways from this game? Uh, tough third period. Uh, start with me turn that over and I'm getting one uh, to go up. Uh, you know, right there, you know, we tried to fight back, but, uh, you know, we couldn't, and uh, it's, a, it's frustrating. You mentioned tough third period. What exactly was it that caused that breakdown? Uh, I was going to take a slap shot, McDavid did a good, good job of taking the wall away, uh, and I was going to go up the middle, and he poked off my stick right to their guy, so uh, it's unfortunate, but i got to move on. What do you get from these games, I mean, as you get ready for the playoffs? Yeah, I just want to build. You know, you want to be at your peak. Uh, 
starting game one. So uh, it's just about building, building your game as individuals and as a team and go from there. That stretch where you won 17, lost. Is that the, the pinnacle and that's what the level you got to get at again? Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, you, you want to be playing good hockey, you want to be winning hockey games, and, you know, we've been pretty good as of late, uh, you know, a couple stretches where we're not, you know, we have breakdowns and things happen, but, you know, that's the talking, that's going to happen, we just got to keep uh, building, we have one more left, so, you know, ramp things up and get ready for game one. Because coaches always talk process, are you doing the right things even if you don't get the result? Yeah, you know, we've been, we've been playing, playing pretty well, we've been doing, doing the right things, uh, you know, I think, you know, little mistakes are going to, you know, be exemplified in playoffs. Uh, you know, we got to maybe limit those and make the easy play when it's there. But, but yeah, you, you know, we've been, you know, pretty good pretty as of late. And now we just got one more and then, you know, the real thing starts. All right. That's, uh, thanks, Scott. Scott Johnson working the Golden Knights dressing room, Vegas. Three goals tonight. Oilers, though, get four. They scored a fifth that didn't count negated by a penalty and the Oilers killed off that man disadvantage in the final minute 48 to preserve their 35th victory of the season you'll still hear from Keegan Lowe first game as an Oiler and Ty Raddy who got the game winner all ahead Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 chance. McDavid tries subtle. Back to McDavid. Then wristed eventually on that save. Zubin back in front. Shot score. Mike Gamaleri, a right. rare power play goal for the Oilers. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Not a traditional power play setup, and the Oilers had almost been scored on shorthanded by Vegas a few seconds earlier, but Camilleri able to snipe that one, and McNabb just talked about it in his interview, too, that he felt responsible for that one going in. Well, he should, because he had the puck on his stick, and he just bobbled it a little bit, and Connor McDavid stayed with it. And the one thing that we've seen with Connor McDavid this year is his stick is quick, and guys think that they're far enough away, or guys think that they're strong enough, and all of a sudden McDavid swoops in and steals the puck. And on that one, he put the puck out in front, and, and Mike Camilleri was in the right spot, and he made no mistake. That, that, that's a goal scorer's goal. He knew that he had time, and he put the puck exactly where he wanted it. That put the Oilers up 3-2. Raddy made it 4-2. Lindbergh got one back for the Golden Knights, and then the Oilers kill a late penalty to win 4-3 over Vegas. They win 3-4 against the Golden Knights this season. You're still going to hear from Ty Raddy, also from Keegan Lowe, who made his Edmonton Oilers debut tonight on defense, wound up playing 13-0-1, minus one, three shots on goal, blocked shot as well. Pretty uh, solid game overall for Lowe, given he was uh, making his Oilers debut. Also have time for your phone call, 780-496-0063. And don't forget, the Oilers close it out on Saturday night against the Vancouver Canucks. Daniel Sedin scored in overtime just a few minutes ago as the Sedins win their final home game, 4-3, over the Arizona Coyotes. Okay, quick break for the news. Then Rob and I are coming back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 
630 chair. The net was wide open. Now McDavid's got it right corner. Back across. Open man. Back to a one-timer score. Beautiful look. And there's the second assist. Nugent for Hopkins making an impact. That made it 1-0 Oilers. They go on to beat the Vegas Golden Knights 4-3. Nuge missed the last two games. Scores tonight 23 on the season. Career high 24. He'll have a chance to match or exceed that on Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. It's 11:04. Thanks for staying up with us here. Oilers win at 4-3. We'll get to the phone lines in a second. Stewart is standing by, but we want to go back downstairs. His Oilers debut tonight. Here's defenseman Keegan Lowe. It was, uh, the nerves were definitely there and uh, settled into it as it went on. You know, there's a few, made a few mistakes I'd like to get rid of, but I mean, you know, like I said, I got that first one out of the way and go from there. I know it's a big night for you. Can you maybe discuss just how big a night it was maybe for the whole family, right? Uh, your local kid makes good and gets a chance to play. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes without saying. It's super exciting. I know my, my, my parents are super excited, my mom, my grandma especially. Uh, I'm sure she was probably cheering the loudest. Yeah, I mean, no, like I said, my first, my first couple shifts were probably my, you know, worst shifts of the game. I was just uh, nervous, and you know, you overthink things a little bit, but uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. <laughs> You can't really avoid it. You know, people can say, don't think about it, don't think too much, but uh, it is what it is. And like I said, after you get through those, it start to feel a little more comfortable every period. You're out there on the PK as well a little bit. Uh, just when we talk about Todd putting you in different situations and showing faith in you tonight. Yeah, I mean... Uh, appreciate the faith, that's for sure. I mean, that's a thing I take a lot of pride in is in the penalty killing. Um, you know, when, when Benny took the penalty there in the in the second period, I didn't know if I was going to go out, but I went out. And, you know, that's definitely where I feel the most comfortable. It's, you know, you kind of have your job, and if you if you stick to it, there's not a whole lot of too many moving parts. So, um, and then at the end of the game there, I had no idea if I was going to go out. I heard my name, and I didn't really have time to think, just hop over the boards. They were buzzing pretty good. I mean, six on four. Uh, Talbs made some good saves, and you know, like I said, it was. I appreciate the trust in me. Did you uh, did you end up being more nervous than you thought you would be, or how did you feel when when game time came? Uh, I, I was pretty nervous. I mean, like, it's just I've always, you know, some guys say they don't get nervous. Um, it's it's tough not to be in a situation like that. I mean, if you think about it. So, uh, if I was more nervous than I thought I'd be, I don't know. I I pictured myself being pretty nervous, so I probably lived up to it. Read that. It's Keegan Lowe. Well, Keegan Lowe surviving the nerves tonight, helping the Oilers beat the Golden Knights 4-3. Yeah, he, got out, he was out at the end of the game with his team trying to reserve a one-goal lead while shorthanded. Well, and that's one thing that we've seen with Tom McCollin. He's not afraid to put a guy in the fire and see what he can do there. And, uh, again, it, it's there's certain players here right now that are playing to see where where they are in the pecking order and going going forward. And, and it, with a Keegan Lowe, as he talked about, penalty killing, that's where he feels comfortable. So put him out there, see what he's capable and not capable of doing and that allow you to evaluate him going forward to see where he fits into your organization. Oilers take it 4-3. Farrell won face-off trivia. Gets a $50 gift card to Bubbles. Brought to you by Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Asked who was the first player ever signed by the Vegas Golden Knights last March. This had nothing to do with the expansion draft. It was, wasn't it a Russian guy? No. No? Reed Duke. Brandon Wheatkings. Oh, yeah, I did not know that. And, I, I, yeah, you could have given me 100 million guesses, and I wouldn't have guessed <laughs> Reed Duke. 
Well, when he was signed, we all said, there's a guy who's going to be the answer to a trivia question someday. So I decided today's the day to ask that trivia question. Maybe I'll ask it again next year when they play the Golden Knights. And you know what? If you ask it again next year, I won't get it again next year. <laughs> hey, they just looked at the last, they just showed the stats from the Vancouver game tonight. Sadine, Daniel, 10 shots in his last game in Vancouver tonight. Wow. 10 shots on net. Two goals. They won 4-3 in overtime. 780-496-0063. Here's Stewart standing by. Stewart, nice to hear from you. How are you doing, guys? Good. Good. So what does the NHL do about these bad calls in uh, crucial times of games? Oh, I don't think there's anything. A mistake was made. I mean, players make bad mistakes. Coaches make bad mistakes. Uh, I, I think there's other things you need to clean up as an NHL, and that's some of the rules with the goalie interference. But uh, tonight I thought it was a fairly well-reffed hockey game where a ref made uh, just a, a – he, he screwed up. He, he screwed up, and – and unfortunately for the ref, that it's got a big jumbotron that showed it 30 times for every player <laughs> and every person in the stand to see it over and over again. I, I, I've, I, there's refs that over the course of you, a playing career and then now up here in the media stand, you watch and you're like, okay, this guy is consistently good or this guy, he has good and off nights. The referee that made that call, I have not noticed him to be a ref that... I think it was Brian Pockmara. Yeah. And so remember that name, Stuart, Brian Pockmara. See how many playoff rounds he works. Yeah, but uh, even still, yeah, I think yeah. it was one mistake. And uh, oh, yeah, I'm not saying no. he'll be thrown out of the playoffs because no. of this, but I mean, you know, they, they pick the best, the guys who yeah, are having the best we'll season. We'll see going forward if, if they consider him one of the better ones. But yeah, it, it was a mistake made by the referee. Well, and it was just a blatant mistake, and I just—it's one of those like, again, what what can you do? You can't say that teams can now challenge calls because you'll have a stop a game every every minute. Well, exactly. Yeah, I w- I wouldn't want to go down the the path of challenging penalties, and I mean we've seen and Rob and I try to be as as, as fair as possible. I mean last year. Other than Kessler grabbing the pad, probably the worst call, and Rob, I think you'll remember, when Columbus was here, McDavid got high stick, Jack Johnson went off for a double minor, and it was Lucic's stick yeah. that accidentally came up and clicked McDavid. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mistakes Columbus, happen. So mistakes do happen. That, that was a bad one at a bad one, bad time tonight for sure. Yeah, Stuart? I just, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, it's, just, it, it's a crucial time. I mean, it's a nothing game in this time of the season for either team, but. Uh, it's not like we haven't seen it for crucial games and crucial times. So, anyways, that was all. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that, and I, you know, I understand because that was a frustrating tonight because I think when everybody's cheering the goal and then you're like, wait a minute, because when, when I saw him, when I saw the ref on the big screen, I thought, is there goalie interference? And then I was thinking, where was goalie interference? Russell had a mini well, breakaway from the I was hash wa- mark in, and I saw that the back referee have his hand up and, and pointing and was making the trippings. Uh, Hands signal, yeah. so you knew that because the that low was, ref pointed to the net. Yes, he and he's watching that. Yeah. But but it's funny when you talk about crucial. This is, I mean, it was in a game that meant nothing. I mean, there was the baseball game a couple of years ago where the guy had a perfect game, and they threw the guy out at first, and the, the ump called him safe, and the, he was he was out by about you know a foot and a half. I mean, that is a crucial mistake that that, that they showed the ump afterwards apologizing and he was in tears yeah. as he did a, a, an interview because he, he just took a, a perfect game away from this guy. To me, I mean, in that situation, you, that guy's out no matter what. I mean, he could have been safe by 10 feet. I'm calling him out because I'm giving the guy the perfect game. So hey, there are mistakes are always made. They're always made and you hope that they're not made at critical s- situations or critical times in whatever sport or game you're in. 
but they will be. And that's what makes sport so incredible is you just never know what's going to happen and you just got to play through it. And tonight, the Oilers, when that happened, played through it. They killed yep, good, off, a, good they killed off a six on four at the end of a hockey game and they got to celebrate a victory. 4-3, the Oilers take it. Ty Ratty had a goal and an assist. Here he is. One more game left and we might as well empty it all out. You guys were able to overcome maybe not the best call in the world at the end of the game there. You were able to weather that as well? Yeah, that's the way she goes. I think uh, fast-paced game and, and those things happen. And Our PK did a heck of a job all game and, and uh, nothing changed at the end there. They, they limited their chances and uh, wins a win. Another uh, big night for your line, I guess. It started with a nice pass to you uh, early and a uh, nice goal for you as well. Yeah, it was, it was a nice night. I think uh, our line, I thought we... Uh, Kept good pressure on them most of the night, and then not a whole lot of his own pressure in our, our end. So uh, felt good tonight, and a nice team win, and, and uh, nice nice game's line too. Lots of made of the power play this season. I know um, you've only been here for a little bit, but uh, nice for the power play to come up big with a big goal there in the third. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what uh, winning teams do is is they get those power plays and they, they take advantage of them. So we have enough superstars in this room to, to get that done, and they proved that tonight. Read that's Ty Ratty. All right, thanks, Brendan Ulrich, working in the Oilers dressing room. Just reading this here. So we were talking about the Sedin's final home game in Vancouver. Daniel scored in overtime as they beat the Coyotes 4-3. The 50-50 for that Canucks game, the total jackpot was over a million dollars. The winning fan got just over $507,000. The uh, largest 50-50 in North American sports history. We had a couple big ones uh, at Eskimos games recently, but the Canucks topping that tonight for the uh, Sadid's final home game. Well, Edmonton, there you go. We can try to beat that on Saturday night. We love 50-50s in Western Canada. I I know my buddy uh, Jay Onright, when he was in Toronto the first time, this was before he moved to uh, L.A., now he's back with TSN. He won a 50-50 at a Blue Jays game once, and it was like $9,000 or something like that. I mean, still a nice take-home, but nothing compared to the 50-50s we get here in the West. So uh, there we go. Now, I believe there might have been a carryover there for that Canucks game, but still pretty impressive. $507,000 win in the 50-50 there. The Oilers win tonight over the Vegas Golden Knights. You can get more on 630Ched.com. The Canucks are here on Saturday. Final game of the season for your Oilers. We'll have it with the face-off show at 6.30. The game will start at 8. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer back at 630Ched, and to our engineer Troy Bowler here at Rogers Place. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.